Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to a new episode of the Geek Town Behind the Scenes podcast. I'm your host, Dave Elliott, and this week I'm chatting with Art Kudrin, the VFX supervisor for Fuse Effects on the third season of Netflix's wonderful Outer Banks. If you've not seen Outer Banks, it's a fun action-adventure series which follows a group of teens as they hunt for a legendary treasure linked to the disappearance of one of their fathers. The most recent third season saw the gang chase the gold to the Caribbean and South America, which created some really interesting VFX challenges for the team. These included a plane crashing into the ocean and a shot of a whale, both of which involved complex water simulations and physics. They also had to create the gold-laden caves of El Dorado, enhancing the shots with composition and CG, along with painting out all manner of production equipment. Art is a three-time Emmy Award winner who has worked on shows such as Ozark, Prison Break and The Morning Show, along with his other current series, The Rookie. Whilst these days he does tend to lean slightly more into shows that have what we'd call invisible effects, he did begin his VFX career working on the Star Trek franchise, beginning on Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, before becoming a VFX supervisor on Voyager and Enterprise. If you'd like to hear more behind-the-scenes interviews, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Geek Town Radio. This also gives you our weekly Geek Town Radio podcast, which brings you all the latest TV, film, and gaming news. You can also go to the website at geektown.co.uk for daily news stories and all the latest UK and US TV premiere dates. We also have a never-miss system which allows you to track any UK air date and you will get a notification when it's going to air. The first three seasons of Outer Banks can be found on Netflix right now. It has also been renewed for a fourth season as well, so it will be coming back next year. But for now, if you want a bit more background about season three of The Outer Banks, here's the interview with Art Cordron, the VFX supervisor from Fuse Effects for season three. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Thank you for coming on and chatting with me a bit about the, uh, the, the work and um, the, the show, Out of Ranks, which... 
I love. I really enjoy. It's way better than you think it probably should be. <laughs> that show. <laughs> it's, yeah, it, it's it's funny with that because I, I I didn't think much of it before, and I started working on it, and I started telling people they asked, "Oh, so what are you working on?" And I said, "Oh, Outer Banks." And like, "Oh my God, really?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it, it has a huge following, and it's not just like kids it's like people of all walks of life you know people that i would not expect to watch it they're huge fans yeah it's got this immense following i mean i know for the third season they did a massive launch thing in la for it i first came across the show because we interviewed phil eisler multiple times who's the composer for it mm-hmm. so uh, that's how i first kind of came across the show but i always describe it as basically being the goonies but with the cast of a cw show <laughs> yeah. it's a wonderful sort of action adventure show before we start talking a bit more about the Outer Banks, just a little bit of background about you. How did you get into the FX industry? I started out out of college working in editorial and editing. And I came up in low budget features, worked on a lot of uh, you know horror movies, teen sex comedies, the usual. Yeah. And made my way up into bigger stuff, uh, studio movies. And I kind of fell into visual effects. Um, my first thing, in, well, actually, I did a little stint over at one of the old VFX houses, Dream Quest Images. They did a lot of huge movies back in the uh, 80s, 90s. They had an editorial department and a friend of mine was over there and he said, hey, we need somebody for a couple of days. Somebody's going on a vacation or was sick or something. I said, yeah, OK. I was between gigs. I'll, I'll come over. I know visual effects. No, I didn't. Um, <laughs> so um, I. I wound up over there for a bit and I wound up being there for six months and I learned a lot and uh, got my first taste uh, in editorial. Um, It was back in the uh, analog days with actual uh, optical printers and miniatures and all that. But um, that was cool. And then I went back to editing a little bit and then I was looking for my next gig and Star Trek Next Generation was towards the end of its run and they uh they were getting deep space nine rolling and they needed a, a visual effects editor so i went to that and helped out with that and that was uh, a real education when voyager started they, they needed help uh they needed like an extra coordinator and i said hey do you want to work on the pilot I said, yeah and <laughs> um they brought me in and took me under their wing and i had a lot of great mentors over there before you know it, I did the whole run of Voyager and then Enterprise. And, you know, I became a supervisor on Enterprise. And that kind of got me transitioned over to visual effects fully. And it, it just sort of happened. It, it, just, <laughs> it was at the time when things just exploded, where TV shows typically, you know, would, would do minor effects. They really wouldn't go there. But, you know, with the digital stuff, you know, all these shows, they just... They opened up their, uh, their their creativity. They're able to do more stuff and they started needing visual effects and I was in the right place at the right time. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, that's sometimes the case of how, how it happens. I don't mean Star Trek's a great place to start if you're going to do visual effects, getting in on, on yeah. that and running through that run. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and there's some great people over there like Dan Curry, Ron Moore, Mitch Susskind. They were mentors to me and they took me under their wing and taught me so much and and um, it was it was like going to school again. Yeah, it was really a great experience. When it comes to the Outer Banks, you've spoken to a number of people at Fuse for things like She-Hulk and Orville and Miss Marvel and Snowpiercer. 
with those, I would say they're very obviously effect shows, whereas right. Outer Banks really isn't. It's at the kind of opposite end of that. So, which I think is probably a much harder job because I'm sure, you know, when you've got people with lightning coming out of their fingers or whatever, you can get away with a lot more. <laughs> you know, it's a bit more forgiving. Yeah, exactly. It's Outer Banks is what we call invisible effects. It's yeah. stuff that it is visual effects, but it's not you know, like, as you say, lightning coming out of the fingers. And when you're doing things in the, the supernatural world or fantasy world, you can hide behind all these crazy concepts is because, well, nobody really has a true frame of reference of what does it really look like with lightning coming out of the fingers? There's, there's yeah, some yeah. flexibility, as you say. But with a show like Outer Banks and a lot of the other shows I do as well, it's like, well, we're seeing a whale in the water. It's like, we've all seen that. And mm -hmm. if it doesn't look good, people right away are going to be like, <laughs> something is off. You got to make it organic and make it seamless where the viewer just looks at it and says, oh, there, there's a whale. They shot that. Yeah. You have to sell it. And you, you don't want them to say, oh, what a great visual effect. There's a whale. You want them to just be like watching and like, oh, wow, they, they shot this. And they, they, they must have had a, a whale on set. You know, yeah. they did this at SeaWorld. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, exactly. When did you come into the show? Did you join? on the third season or have you been there since season one? I joined on the third season. We had some various teams at Fuse that were on the show previous seasons, but they have moved on for various reasons. Mm -hmm. So um, I had a little lull and they're saying, my, the management said, hey, how would you like to do this? And I, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, they introduced us to, uh, you know, Larry Detweiler, who is the production side supervisor on the show. And he's done all three seasons and he goes way back with views on other shows as well. He's a great creative partner. Yeah. And the rest is history. And here we are. It's done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, and, and third season was great place to get in because there's a lot of interesting bits and pieces in that, in that third season, um, which is, is sort of the conclusion to the storyline, which has been started from season one, really. There are a few bits which aren't obvious effects until you think about, oh, well, that must be an effect bit. Like uh, the plane crash was a big sort of set piece in sure. that, dude. So yeah. how was it approaching that? What were the issues with creating that? That one was pretty complex because that involves water. So that's like an extra degree of complexity there. Initially, Larry let us uh, share a bunch of material. The, um, the EPs on the show, they had done a lot of research on their own even before we were involved. And they found some videos on YouTube. One in particular, they really liked the way it looked and the way the crash was. And they felt it was appropriate to the story of, you know, what it, the plane should be doing because the people live, you know, they don't get killed. So it can't mm -hmm. be this crazy um, thing where it blows up or something. It, it has to be dramatic and uh, exciting. But on the same token, they survived. So it was very specific, you know, how far they wanted to go. And they shared this video with us. And we use that as like a starting point of what we were looking to get towards. And it's kind of a twofold thing with something like that. I mean, you have to work out the plane crash, which is physics exercise one. Mm -hmm. And then once that is, we have that pretty close to where we'd like it. That's the way we started it. We, we, we figured out the physics of the crash first. The EPs and all, they weighed in on it, you know, like, well, we like this, we, we want to adjust this, and, you know, we, you know, some back and forth on that. We get that in a pretty good place or it's pretty close to what they're thinking. And then we have to figure out the physics of the water. And then we start running simulations. 
we were playing a little bit before we had approved animation on the airplane just to to get our ducks in a row with the water starting to get a feel for it what we were in for Mm -hmm. but um once we got our animation then we start running the simulations of the water that is pretty complicated it's all science-based i like to say in a layman's way of explaining it, it's kind of like, you know, the weatherman, they run simulations to forecast weather based on science. It's computer stuff runs. It's kind of the same thing, the same idea where it's like, okay, we have this object with this much mass hitting this object that has this much, you know, resistance, et cetera. Mm-hmm. What will it cause? And it's, it's that sort of an approach. And it's, of course, adjustable where you can adjust the, the force or, you know, the, the opposing forces. Like with, we do fire in the same manner when we're doing a 3D fire. It's the same thing. It's like, well, it's this kind of fuel. We want more fuel, less fuel. So that's kind of the approach. It's a, it's a lot of um, it's a lot of tweaking. Yeah. And um, on this particular one, it went very well. We got pretty far along pretty quickly. I was even surprised how well it went, but there's still a lot of tweaky things. The early good passes is just like, wow, that's looking really good. But then you do secondary things. It's like, well, when this wing hits here, it's not quite, what can we do to help that? And then then you do a little secondary thing, you know, a secondary splash or whatever. It's, it's a lot of tweaking along the way. Yeah. And then sometimes, not necessarily with this particular case, but sometimes with just visual effects in general, we strive, like our initial passes, we, we try and be faithful to physics and reality and make something that's realistic in that way. Sometimes you get there right away and you're, you're looking, it's like, hmm, it either looks not great or it looks fake or it's not dramatic. So it's like, okay. Now that we got here, now we have to cheat it. And now we have to push it a little bit more. So it's a little bit of a fine line you have mm-hmm. to walk sometimes between what's real and what looks really cool yeah. and not dumb. <laughs> there is a sort of a sort of inanimate object version of that kind of uncanny valley thing that you get with faces, I, I guess, in, to a certain extent of, of sort of if yeah. it doesn't look like it, it quite fits right or it doesn't hit quite right in the environment, there's something in the person's brain going to know there's it's not yeah, yeah it's it's like your your mind like a, a non-visual effects person a non-industry person who's just watching the show who is not sophisticated in visual effects when something doesn't look right they're not going to say oh well, there's a mat line there there's this that this they're just going to think eh, that just didn't look right you know yeah. it's like something in their brain is saying no <laughs> yeah yeah. With a scene like the plane crash, how much of that is stuff which is actually shot in camera? Are you recreating like the entire scene or is it, are they actually shooting plates? On, on your- that stuff, Larry, he shot, he shot plates with production. They had a lot of plates shot. Some stuff, there was a couple of shots uh, where they had like a, they followed like a Zodiac to get a nice speed reference and then to get a nice wake element. We wound up not using the wake element, but it was a good reference. And sometimes those things can be useful. We can cheat them in. So, yeah, they, they gave us uh, plates for that sequence. There's one shot that is kind of manufactured. The very first shot in the sequence when the plane comes in and it's in the clouds. 
they initially did not shoot anything for that. So they had a stock shot for that. Right. And we used a stock shot, but then we added a bunch of uh, CG clouds, which was also effects. We, we generated those as well. Right. So that was a kind of half created. Yeah. That's one of the sort of large sequences. You mentioned the whale as well, of course. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, was, was that an asset that, I mean, I, I don't know, do you have a whale asset that you just go, yeah, okay, we, we've got we've got a whale we could use or is it something well, we, we, start, we start with, uh, you know, there's there's various ways, you know, we have we have stock models that we've used before. There's stuff available off the shelf. But then you always have to tweak it a little bit for uh, the actual show that you're using it in, depending what kind of shape it's in. So we, we had to modify it a little bit. That was the easy part. It's just um, that was one of those as well where it's a two-step process. You know, you have to animate the whale mm-hmm. and then you have to do the water, the associated water with that. That was a little tougher because with a plane, it's a hard body. It's very, you know, the, the the physics, I think, are, you know, with a hard body are a little bit easier, whereas animation of an animal is much more nuanced. So that took a bit of tweaking and then getting the water to associate with that behavior. It it was tricky. Mm -hmm. That was a really tough sequence. And then we had to do some stuff with the boats and all that and some wake elements and all that. So that was a lot going on in that sequence. Yeah. And I mean, it's incredible the amount of work that goes into something, which is, I mean, it's it's a relatively short shot as well, that, you know. Yeah. Boom, it's gone. Yeah. The other bit is when they get to the sort of El Dorado and the caves and that sort of stuff. How much of that was in camera and how much of that was stuff that you were creating? They actually shot in a cave. I think it was in Barbados, which was just if you look at the dailies, it was spectacular on its own. Yeah. It was kind of, uh, you know, with all the stalactites, the stalagmites. Uh, we, we have a, a big cave here in the United States, Carlsbad Caverns, which is kind of like the gold standard of like, wow, that is really cool. It's, it was much like that. It was yeah. it was very, very grand. It was huge. It was quite spectacular on its own. But then, of course, there was a lot of story elements that needed to uh, be told. So it had to be augmented through fair amount. Yeah. With those sort of things, those are the sort of the obvious big FX elements in the show. Were there sort of other sequences that you did? Oh, that- yeah. Yeah. So, what sort of other sequences? So, so were great. There? You don't even you don't even know what they are. No, no. I mean, that's that's the thing. I know, I, I love effects like that. You know, it's the fact that mission I mean, accomplished. Yeah, completely. I mean, I, I when I say obvious effects, it's, they're only obvious effects because you kind of know that they probably didn't shoot a whale, and you know they probably didn't crash a plane. So those sort of things, it's only obvious in the way that if you think about it, yeah. you really can't tell. You wouldn't know where the effects are and where they're not in this show. What were some of the other sequences that you did? My personal favorite, I'll start with that. It's, it's like my favorite shots of the show just because they look really cool. It was in episode 10 when Ward's plane is, they're, they're, they're flying and they're going through these clouds and there's like a lightning storm. Mm-hmm. That was 100% CG. Yeah. Initially, they had some nice stock shots and they were thinking, well, we'll just put the plane in those and you know, it would have been great. But then the EPs were thinking, well, let's make this a little more dramatic. You know, can we add some storm clouds? Can we have some light? And, and so, yeah, sure. <laughs> so <laughs> we went ahead and did that. And 
And uh, I thought it came out fantastic. My team at Fuse just really hit those out of the park. They're really successful. We did a fair amount of adding fire when the chateau is burning. That's yeah. mostly us. Right. And that was all done with 2D fire. It was not CG fire. It was using uh, practical elements that we have in our library. Wow. And uh, I thought that came out really nice. Yeah. Uh, the burning yeah. cross as well. That's always fun. Destruction is fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the episode that followed when the chateau was burned to the ground, that was all a matte painting. Right. The elevator shaft in one of the earlier episodes, they only had a small section. So we extended up, we extended down, married a bunch of pieces together. Uh, there, there was a lot of actually the last episode there was some big matte painting shots, you know, when they're approaching the plane approaches the town and then the airfield, we augmented that a lot. Right. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of stuff like that peppered in the show. Yeah. Are there any bits that stick out that are like, I remember I was talking to uh, Kevin Yuli about Miss Marvel and he mentioned that there was one particular shot, you know, there's all these big effect shots. The one bane of his life was, was a hat stand in an office that because of continuity, they had to move it from like one side to the other <laughs> and are there any kind of little things like that which are sort of you know just fixing little errors that that cropped up not really the shows oftentimes will have something like that but there wasn't too much of that um in the cave we had to paint out a lot of stuff they had um I guess the practical cave they shot in you could as a tourist go visit and they have like a train that goes through Oh. So this pathway, this tram. Yeah. So we had to take that all out. And then they were very limited with their lighting in the cave. And mm. there was nowhere to hide the lights. They just had them there. And it just, there, there was no way around it. You know, it's like you have a choice. You can shoot this in the dark or you can put their, your lights in the shot and uh, you're going to have to deal with it. And mm -hmm. uh, we painted them out and covered them up and had to get a little uh, creative at times to make that all work. Yeah. You said sort of a lot of the stuff that you do tends to be the more invisible effects. Mm -hmm. You know, you, although you started on like Star Trek, as you've gone through your career, yeah. you've you've got, I mean, it's sort of yeah. The Rookie is the other big show that you've done work on, Morning Show, Good Girls, Ozark. Those sort of things are all invisible effect stuff. Do you have yeah. a preference particularly for that? Or is it just sort of, is that something you kind of fell into? It was like, oh, well, you're really good at that. So it comes your way. Well, yeah, I, I did start, you know, with Star Trek. And then I did Ghost Whisper for many years. Yes. And that too was, was a lot of, well, we don't know what this looks like. Make it cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That stuff can be hard as well, but I enjoy the invisible stuff. It's just, I don't know, I'm more satisfied by it. I think because maybe the way my personal tastes tend to go, I'm not a big sci-fi guy. You know, I'm not, while I appreciate sci-fi from time to time or horror time to time, I'm not somebody that watches a lot of it. Yeah. I'm more into straight reality. So I think that's probably why I, I have more fun doing the invisible ones. And it's, it's really challenging because, you know, as discussed, it's, you know, just to make it look organic, it's, it's a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mentioned The Rookie there, which, I mean, is another show which I absolutely love. That's a great oh, show. Oh, you have it in England. Great. Yeah, yeah, no, we get we get The Rookie, we get The Rookie for Feds, so we get both of those. Mm. That's such a wonderful show and huge fun of Nathan Fillion. With that show, 
we are on the current season as well. So, I mean, what some of the more challenging shots that you've done for that? Well, we had an episode earlier this year when their shop, their, their truck goes off the ledge of the parking structure. Right. That was a bit of a challenge. It was a big challenge for them, you know, on set. And it was a challenge for us in post because they obviously, they, they weren't going to have a, a truck do that. So they had to fake it. And they had some really clever people on their end come up with these uh, these rigs that we can cheat. But then we had to do some shots on our end, you know, to make it look convincing, to sell the whole gag. So that was a bit of a challenge. And then um, we've done a lot of episodes with them with pyro. Things blow up. You know, we had a house last year that blew up. We had to do a lot. And then there was an episode, I think it was the end of last year, that starts to blur together (laughs) when they were at some um, electrical station or something. And we filmed it in Griffith Park and they realized it's rigged with a bomb. And just as they run out, it blows. That was shot in Griffith Park before we had our rainy season. And it was (laughs) it was a drought year. And they were not allowed to have one spark because it was such a flammable area. I could imagine, yeah. And then there was also, there was a methane vent. I guess it was a dump up there one time. <laughs> and as yeah, see that? And there was this stack and you could see like the displacement from the gas. <laughs> it's just like, okay, I, I guess I guess we don't want to have any sparks up here. Uh, so they were only able to use dust. So right. they, they did a lot of dust cannons and stuff. We did CG fire because we needed it coming out of these grates and you know these fireballs, and uh, it was pretty challenging and it looked great in the end and it goes by in a flash <laughs> yeah yeah i can't imagine that production company would have been invited back had they uh, burned <laughs> yeah. Yeah. to the ground <laughs> so, yeah, no. yeah i mean that must be a problem in uh, shooting in l.a trying to sort of do those things unless you're you're on a back lot yeah, and- that comes up a lot with pyro it's just like where are you shooting this what are we allowed to do and you know frequently they'll have a representative from the fire department that says mm-hmm. you can do x y and z and it's been really tough the last few years everything you know was so dried out and parched that you really had to be careful so that's when it falls to us yes rain's good for the county maybe not quite as good for you (laughs) (laughs) just generally on the fx industry i mean you obviously you've been working in it for quite a while now there's been some fairly interesting changes with newer technology recently things like the you know the volume setup that they've got at disney marvel and and um, mm-hmm. yeah, the ridiculous pressure that Marvel have been putting on the FX houses as well, which I know Freeze are probably one of those that given they've worked on a number of Marvel oh, shows. Yeah. I mean, thankfully they seem to have eased off a bit. I hope. But what have been the big changes that you've seen come in the industry? Well, yeah, obviously the technology, like the stuff they're doing with uh, Mandalorian, and that's you know bled into a lot of other stuff. We're dabbling in that as well. You know, the globalization. You know, we've the pandemic was interesting. It has shown that we can do stuff remotely mm-hmm. quite well. Yeah. Um, before the pandemic, if you would have said to me, "Oh, you're going to do this," I would have laughed and said, "No, we're not. <laughs> um, that's not going to work. How's that going to work?" And it worked quickly and very well. And I think that has opened up some possibilities there where it's uh, the working together, it's a lot easier. Yeah. And a lot of visual effects, it's 
so much of it is communication, you know, communicating that my artists and teams that work on this stuff, so much of it is communication. And that has just become so much easier. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, the tools are always getting better. Like, for example, in the El Dorado Caves and Outer Banks, they have these gold veins running through the walls. Oh, yeah. That was obviously not there in the real cave. And putting that in, uh, I was still a little concerned going in, like that's going to be a challenge. But we have this technology that we use in our compositing software that we're able to project things on 3D surfaces and it tracks in. Years ago, that would have been like so huge to have to pull off. Whereas now, I can't say it was painless, but it was just one of my uh, senior compositors. He spent a couple days just using this system and tweaking it. And he had a setup that worked really well and everything stuck and it looks great. It's like, it's, it's this new technology, you know, these motion vector tracking technology mm. that we use it in a case like that. And then like when we're putting blood on people, you know, when they're moving around, it, it right. just... Yeah, I mean, years ago, stuff that would have been like practical non-starters is like, oh, yeah, we can do that. And it's just there's constant little things like that that come up that are really game changers. Yeah, I mean, you always assume that if you see blood on actors or something, you always assume, oh, well, that's probably makeup. But I mean, quite often, I guess it, it is CG, yeah, the CG things that you've put in as well. So often, yeah. So we actually know that Octobanks is coming back for a full season. So, I mean, I don't yeah. know whether you're going to be involved in that or not, but that would be... We hope. <laughs> yeah, that would be a nice thing to get back to. Do you know what you're moving on to next, if you can say? So, you know, doing The Rookie, I just finished last night doing a production on an independent feature. I can't say what, but right. it was a it was a really good novel that they're making into a movie. And I'm really excited about it. And uh, lots of invisible effects. <laughs> Excellent. It's a, it's a period piece and it should be a lot of fun. And uh, I can't wait to get into doing the VFX work for it. Period piece would be good fun because I imagine there's a lot of deleting things that like signposts and, and cars and stuff. <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. Last couple of questions for you, which are always the same for everybody. First question is, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? I generally watch streaming shows. We just finished uh, White Lotus, which I loved. I'm looking forward to somebody somewhere coming back. It comes back in a few weeks in April. I can't wait. Uh, that is a, such a non-VFX show, but I love it. <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of Secession. Yes. Um, I really like Fleischman is in trouble. I think that's the right title. Yes, yes, the trouble that is Fleischman. Some, something like that. Um, yeah, 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 yeah Fleischman but, is in trouble. I think it, it, it's called. That's yeah. that's just launched over here on Disney Plus. We've got it. So I love that. It was fantastic. Yeah. That's, um, awesome. that, that's the kind of stuff I usually watch. Yes. Stuff without obvious effects in it, which I, I guess sometimes that can be a bit distracting for you as well. If you're watching a show and like, you know, the effects pop at you, and like, you, you that, yeah. that must pull you out of it. They're actually, in, in Fleischman, there are some effects. Right. Um, but they're done really well and it's part of the story and it, it adds something. So last question. If you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, can be something historical from the past, something that's around now or some sort of future genre that maybe you've not worked in before and can't be a show that you've actually worked on what would it be i would like to do a period piece like with baseball 
like uh, to do old stadiums and all that. Kind of like, you know, the Jackie Robinson story, the, the 42 movie. That that just looked like a lot of fun. That would yeah. be something I'd love to do. Interestingly specific. But yes, I really like that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I remember we saw, I saw the movie. I turned to my mom and said, God, I would have loved to have done that. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, hopefully something like that will come up for you. That, that would be awesome. Thank you for spending a little bit of time chatting with me. It's been really lovely. I hope you have a lovely rest of the day. I hope it warms you up too. a bit in LA. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.